Yesterday, the Minister of uh, Children and Communities and Social Services, Todd Smith, spoke. He had an announcement to make because the Ford government convened a panel in July with the goal of redesigning the Ontario Autism Program because they made a mess of it. It was just, I mean, parents were apoplectic. They were en masse lobbying the government to do something about this. They waged a sustained campaign against the changes the Ford government government announced earlier this year where they wanted to make it fair. Well, fair isn't always even, especially when it comes to autism. Some people need help right away. Some people need help longer. Um, So it was just a mess, and they decided to get 20 um, people together. They were parents, adults, um, a range of experts in the field of autism, in education and psychology, and they decided to put their heads together for three months over the summer to try and make a fix, to try and and put this autism uh, program together. Here's Todd Smith yesterday on The Oakley Show. Some of the key things that sort of jump off the page is the uh, early intervention piece. I know that's one of the areas that is really important to uh, parents. Uh, They want some early intervention, some early treatment uh, for their children. And I think that's key as well to keeping costs under control. Uh, You know, all the science shows that if you can get there early and get the children uh, some therapy, uh, they won't need as much later uh, when they get a little bit older. Um, So so I think that piece is really important. Uh, Building capacity was also something that I heard loud and clear. You know, while the autism panel was meeting over the summer months, I was also traveling from Kenora to Ottawa to Windsor and meeting with parents and clinicians right across Ontario. And they were telling me that we need to start to build capacity, more capacity, uh, particularly in northern and rural areas. So what I mean by that are more therapists, more clinicians, more speech pathologists to, to help individuals get services uh, that they need. And then um, you know, the other piece that really stood out for me, and, and, and I didn't really know this going in, but uh, uh, both the Minister of Health, uh, Christine Elliott, and I had the opportunity to meet with KINARC, one of the service providers, and uh, just the number of children that have an autism diagnosis that are dealing with mental health issues as well. So that's a key area we want to make serious investments in the mental health of our children with autism. Here to talk about what the panel has recommended and what they've come up with, Laura Kirby McIntosh. She is president of the Ontario Autism Coalition who sat on the panel. Laura, it must have been a very busy summer for you. <laughs> it certainly was. Um, it was uh, It was a labor of love, though. There were 20 of us uh, packed into, uh, into a huge boardroom, and it was it was a huge undertaking, um, and I, you know, I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to serve on the panel, and and so proud of uh, of, of my fellow panelists and uh, and our two co-chairs and and what we've been able to come up with. I'm I'm pretty honored to have my name on this report. Okay, I want to ask you what the specifics of the report, but how doable is this? Because we're always constrained by budget. We are, um, and you know, we we were told right from the get-go that um, that we had to, to work within uh, sort of fixed parameters. But I have to give Minister Smith full credit for, for something that he did in uh, in mid-July, shortly after he came into the, the portfolio replacing the previous minister. Um, but he opened up our, our mandate and widened the scope of the, of the committee so that we were actually able to, uh, to make recommendations about the entire program. And that really turns the ship around. But Where were you limited before? 
Well, initially we were tasked just with making recommendations on um, needs-based therapy for kids with complex needs. Um, but he gave us authority to make recommendations about the entire program. Now, we did have constraints. He said, look, you, you've got to stay within the $600 million, and you've got to design a program that is sustainable. So, you know, if we'd come up with a program that said, you know, sure, everybody gets everything for as long as they want, well, then the wait list would never move. So we, we really tried to... Uh, to compromise on, on a bunch of things, um, but making sure that the program is, at the end of the day, fundamentally needs-based, um, that, that makes sure that children get the therapeutic interventions that they need as determined by a clinician, not by a politician or a civil servant, um, but, uh, but that clinicians actually have the, have the final say within some reasonable limits. And, and I think Canadians understand that you know, we can't we can't have everything for everybody forever, but this program uh, that we're proposing really does give something to everybody. Okay, let's break it down. In is mm-hmm. uh, I, I know it's a complicated uh, topic, mm-hmm. but if you could break it down into simplistic forms, what exactly will this do for people with kids with autism? So the the core services in the program are it will it will fund applied behavioral analysis, which is the most evidence based intervention for for children and youth with autism. Um, it will provide coverage for occupational therapy because a lot of our kids have uh, sensory issues, um, and also speech and language uh, pathology or language therapy because communication is is one of the core symptoms of autism as well. Um, but it goes beyond that, and as as you, the clip that you played indicated, um, mental health and early intervention are also key components of uh, of this plan. Um, and so, what we want to do is make sure that once parents get a, a diagnosis for their kiddo, um, that they're not just sitting on the wait list with nothing. Um, that they're actually getting some early intervention services. Um, and then the other thing that I'm I'm really proud about in, in the report is that we provide what's called an urgent response mechanism. So if families go into crisis, um, and, and crisis can mean, you know, your kid is having multiple meltdowns a day, um, there's damage to property, people are, are being hurt in the, in the family. I, I've been there, and, and crisis takes the whole family down. Um, there's a provision there that you can access additional supports to get you through that crisis. So it's like an emergency fund. Yeah, kind of. You know, and I, I mean, there's there's points along the development line of of a lot of kids with autism where this can happen. Puberty and autism is a particularly special combination. Mm. Um, sometimes your kid is on a medication and it stops working, or sometimes there's a trauma, or there's a death in the family, or or something like that, and and that can send you know kids spiraling. So I, I'm I'm really proud of the the mental health recommendations. As the teacher on the panel, I am extremely proud of the education recommendations. We had some strong things to say. And what what um, are those? Can you? Because I think that it, that actually those yeah. education recommendations include everybody. Because there's people that don't have kids with autism that are in school with with kids that are on the spectrum. And how's that going to work? Well, exactly. And, you know, if there's a kid with special needs in a classroom and that kid isn't having their needs met, then everyone in the classroom is affected, of course. Um, So we made recommendations about changes to some policy memorandums around how autism services are to be delivered in schools. Um, I think our key recommendation was we said, look, there's so much going on about kids with autism in schools. You need an autism education advisory committee to to really look at that. But then we said, you know, these are some of the things that they should look at. 
So we talked about the use of um, seclusion rooms and how problematic that is. We talked about the the strategy of excluding kids with autism, having schools call parents and say, could you just pick Tony up and, and take him home for the day? It's not really going that well. Um, and then there's no documentation of that. That's called a soft exclusion. Or sometimes if there is documentation, there's a hard exclusion, and, and kids are told, no, you just can't come to school because we don't have the supports for you. Well, Okay, like I, I get it that it's challenging to support our kids sometimes, but they still have a right to an education. So, so what happens? What, what are the changes in that case? Uh, well, we're, we're simply recommending right now that on the issue of exclusions, that um, at the very least, school boards be forced to take and report data on how often they're doing it, because we know anecdotally it's happening a lot, but there aren't a lot of um, there aren't a lot of real numbers. Why wouldn't they report something like that? You'd think they'd have to report absences. Are you just saying specifically uh, so that you can look at the absence and tell right away this is because somebody had um, a problem exactly. at school because of their? Yeah. So I, I don't want it to be just recorded as an absence and right. so the kid is skipping. But if the kid is being excluded, the school needs to be upfront about that uh, because we believe it's happening a lot more than uh, than people are aware. Is there anything um, put in place for schools to deal with kids when they have a major meltdown and they think, oh, you know what, we actually, uh, you know, for the sake of actually running this class, this child is right now and for their sake – um, disrupting things, how do we handle that? Like, Because you can't take them away and put them in another room and everybody would... I mean, I don't know who thinks that's a good idea to lock a kid alone in a room. I mean, any yeah. kid, yeah. Um, let alone a kid that's on the spectrum. Yeah. So are you training people on how to, well, you know, be with these kids? Yeah, and that's uh, that's where we put in other, other recommendations for better training for teachers, for education assistants, more autism experts available to, to support teachers in the classroom um, so that they can prevent the, you know, prevent a meltdown before it happens. Sure. There's, there's not nearly enough capacity. Whoops. Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, I thought I lost you for a second. There's not nearly enough capacity in, in the school system, and we need more education assistance with more training. Um, we need more autism expertise in the classroom. Um, and, and so there's a lot of recommendations around that. And I was I was really happy yesterday. I was at Queen's Park for the day and, and bumped into the education minister and said, look, I want to meet with you and, and talk about these recommendations in particular. And he said he was open to that. So, so the funding for the EAs, does that come out of the budget, the autism budget? or would that come no, out of the school budget? That, that would come out of the, the education budget. Yeah. Um, so, but, but you know, the, the government said that they were, one of the things that they were interested in was more interministerial collaboration on the autism file because, you know, autism just doesn't just happen under the Ministry of Children, Community, and Social Services. Obviously, our kids have health issues and they have education issues and then later there's employment issues and, and housing issues. So what what we're beginning to see finally is the the tearing down of silos um, and some opportunities for ministers to talk to each other and to understand how these issues overlap. So Todd uh, Smith said that the he welcomed the recommendations and the government aims to have them yeah. in place um, by April 2020. Are you confident that they're going to do this? I I think I am, um, and there may be some people that are surprised to hear me say that because I'm I'm often fairly cynical where government is concerned. But but I think the the backlash on the first plan that was introduced by the previous minister was so loud and so clear. 
Um, and our community has been so strong. Like, I, I have to give a shout out to all of the families that have gone out and protested and written letters and participated in the consultations. And, you know, they've really made it clear to the government that what they want is needs-based therapy and nothing less. And this report recommends that. And I think this minister understands that if he doesn't implement this report, um, then this issue just doesn't go away. And Laura, what do you worse. say, can I just interrupt for a second, what do you say to the parents who, you know, their needs are not as uh, pressing as other parents? How do you uh, square up with them? Uh, can you, sorry, can you explain that? Well, if, it, if it's, it's needs-based, with yeah, with autism, if it's needs-based and we're, somebody's going to end up on a waiting list, because we're not going to do away with the waiting list, apparently it's still going to be there. How do you... Yeah you know, rationalize that to people that still go, but my kid, it's, my kid needs help. Absolutely. Look, I'm not comfortable with the idea of any kind of waiting list for service either. And I think one of the hardest things about, about where we are right now, because we basically just lost nine months, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, so now this, uh, this report has come out and the minister's saying, okay, so we're going to get busy implementing it. Um, but it's probably not going to be implemented until April 2020, and families are seeing month after month go by, and their kids not getting the the help that they need. And you know, I think there's a lot of of people in the autism community that that are never going to forgive Doug Ford for for this lost time. Um, but I would say that to me, this report represents the beginning of hope. Um, that we are pointed finally back in the right direction towards a program that is sustainable and hopefully stable. And hopefully now that we've had to to fight both the Liberals and the Conservatives, you know, any future government that comes in will know not to mess with this file. Or, you know, if they do want to try to make changes or improvements, um, for pity's sake, consult the community before you you announce the program. I mean, it's common sense. (laughs) You know, (laughs) ask the people in the trenches what they need. Well, and that's it. And I mean, on, on this file and so many others, that Ford's approach has seemed to be fire, aim, ready. You know, like, announce the policy and they go, oh, did we get in the right direction? And, and then actually get ready and consult. And like, that's not that's not an effective way to do public policy at all. But they finally did appoint the panel. We did the work. It was um, exhausting and um, and time consuming, but it was valuable work, and it was an honor to be part of it. And now there's a report out there, and now the ball's in in Minister Smith's court. He just needs to move quickly, and uh, and implement the heck out of it. Laura, uh, if people want to access the report, can they do that? Because I'm sure there's people listening that would like to get their hands on this 65 page report. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's on the website of the Ministry of Children, Community, and, and Social Services. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time, as always. Oh, my pleasure. Take take good care. Happy Halloween. <laughs> you too. Enjoy. Oh, I just uh, lost Laura. Sorry. Uh, I, I will enjoy those kitties trick-or-treating. Laura Kirby McIntosh, president of the Ontario Autism Coalition. She sat on the panel, and the recommendations have been made, and Todd Smith... The uh, minister says, well, yeah, we're going to go ahead with those recommendations. They look good to us, and we should be implementing them by spring 2020. Maybe some of them sooner, but couldn't get specific on which ones.